Good afternoon, Julian Campbell here with another interesting show for you lined up this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips because this one says, get yourself out of a rut at work. So sometimes we do find that, don't we? We're also talking with Christina Sikiotis about the uh, address that uh, Malcolm Turnbull made last week about innovation and how it's going to uh, possibly affect us. But right now we're going to have a chat with uh, Stephen Markey from Markey Insurance about how travel insurance will respond to the recent terrorism events. Good afternoon, Stephen. Good afternoon, Julian. And thank you once again for joining us. So, uh, no problem. On the weekend, we saw the, the world being rocked by terrorism events again uh, in Paris and, uh, of course, the holiday season coming up. I'm sure people who plan particularly to travel to Paris are more than a little panicked about what to do with their travel choices. So, so yeah. relevant to insurance, I'm sure many people are wondering how their travel insurance might be able to help should they choose to still travel to Paris or maybe other places that could be affected. Um, so, can you offer us some general advice to our listeners on this subject? Yes, yeah, sure. Thanks, Julian. And general advice it would be because there's so many different policies there. But, um, yeah, the world certainly changed and unfortunately, unfortunately we're going to see many more of these terrorist attacks in the key locations around the world, um, whether we like it or not. Um, and with this, everyone is going to, or everyone who's travelling is going to question how their travel insurance policy might respond in these circumstances. So, couple of um, key things to remember or look for is the first key piece of information in determining if the travel policy will maybe trigger and help you out is what is the current DFAT warning, um, what's it set at, and then the second one, which is a biggie, is does the policy you've taken out have a terrorism exclusion in it? So you've used an acronym there. What is DFAT and, and how can people find out what the current status is for their travel destination? Yeah, well, DFAT stands for the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, which is obviously a government body. And uh, the best way to look up the status is to go to the Smart Traveller website, which is just smarttraveller1t.gov.au. Um, um, you know, like, and as for the terrorism exclusion, if your policy has one, then, yeah, you're going to be in a whole heap of pain in these circumstances. And and so you're aware, and everybody out there, and most of the, most of the off-the-shelf policies that get might get sold through the the travel agents or you might think you're in, insured under your credit card which comes with travel policies you know those ones mm-hmm. julian yep um you know these more than likely will have a terrorism exclusion in them and i presume that's contained in all that minus minor little uh, fine print that appears on the end yeah it's you'll find the terrorism word pops up all through the document so you best to get your um, travel policy in pdf format and search it for the word terrorism <laughs> <laughs> okay so find out where it's where it is so we've t- talked about dfat or the department of foreign affairs and trade um so what what are their statuses uh, how do how do people become aware of those um well when you look it up you'll see like the two concerning status are um do not travel which is basically the worst one and um then the next one is reconsider your need to travel. So at present, Paris is set at the second, um, reconsider your travel, and this is um, likely to stay till about the 25th of November. As France has basically declared, declared a state of emergency for 12 days from the 13th of November, the day of the attacks. So it is at the moment, reconsider your need to travel. So does that mean then that a travel policy will pay if you were to travel to Paris in this period of emergency? 
Julian. Thanks for that question. That's right, you wrote um, it. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to this one is, is one that people might consider a typical response from an insurance company. It's complicated. Um, and the main thing to remember, you know, in defence for the industry is there's many different policies out there. Lots of companies issue them. Some of them are much better than others. So they're very different. So my first advice is to contact your insurer and ask the question. Um, don't just assume that your cancellation and your loss of deposit costs will be covered. Okay, so mm. some insurers, they, this is a really confusing part, and we've done it, it's a lot of homework on this since it happened, is some insurers are going to consider the status, reconsider your need to travel, sufficient to provide certain cover, mm -hmm. um, you know, in relation to what cancellation and, and loss of deposits. Yep. Others are going to respond only if the DFAT status changes to do not travel. Yeah. Okay, so the quality policies, number one, they don't contain terrorism exclusions. So if you do still travel to Paris under that, the warning of reconsidered travel, all sections of policy should respond as normal, you know, like you've... So it's very dependent on what policy you have. Mm. So if your policy does respond to a cancellation and you're forced to or, or you choose to make, what sort of costs might be covered? Okay, so first key point is people um, have to have purchased a policy and booked the travel prior to the, the event, like the 13th mm -hmm. of November. Um, and these people may be covered under the cancellation and curtailment of or loss of deposit sections of the policies. Um, and these will cover reasonable additional expenses and losses as a result of, you know, they're going to have to forfeit or curtail their travel. Mm -hmm. So it's going to cost to, if you were heading, if you'd had your policy in place, you were heading there now, you had a good policy, then say, I'm not going to Paris, I'm going to go to um, somewhere else that's not under this DFAT category, then um, those kinds of expenses to do that change in travel and accommodation can be picked up by the policy. Okay. okay. But you've got to remember any amendment costs claimed they must be less than the cancellation charges of the original pre-booked travel arrangements. I mean, you always try and get money back from your booking first. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, it's, it's going to be it's a long, drawn-out process. Is there anything else that you can offer to assist people in what to consider? Coverage for this terrorist, terrorist event, um, if it's covered by the policy at all that you have, um, it may continue while the, the DFAT travel advisory indicates Australians should reconsider their travel. But um, when, the DFAT, when the DFAT travel advisory changes back, back to exercise normal safety precautions, so that's the third one, mm. this one's, um, then um, it's likely there won't be any of this additional cover for the cancellation and curtailment costs mm. because you've got to watch the DFAT. Watch the DFAT um, um, category or status, we're calling it, yeah. So any final insight on the matter? All policies are different, Julian, um, and they don't cover everything. Um, some will cover this incident and some will not. And the, the scary thing about this is this is not going to be an isolated event, so we're going to have to get used to this kind of thing, I think. Yeah. That's a personal opinion. So um, I think people, when buying their travel insurance, will want to be asking the question, you know, does my policy okay. cover terrorism? Mm. You know, um, and, 
and in, the, in these um, basic policies, the terrorism exclusion will run through the whole policy. Okay. You know, not just the cancellation costs. It can be everything, medical, baggage, yeah. the whole lot. Yeah. So when you travel, buy a decent policy and get some advice from someone who knows insurance, and not travel, credit cards or groceries. And read the fine print. <laughs> have fun reading the fine print. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Yeah. So next week we're going to have a chat with uh, Jeff from your office. Yep, Jeff from our financial services division will enlighten you about some other incredibly interesting subject, Julian. Fantastic, and we'll talk to you possibly again in a couple of weeks' time after that. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. Thanks, Julian. Bye. Steve Markey there from Markey Insurance. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, area to think about, isn't it, with the events that have been happening. And uh, just to make sure that the policies that you're buying are what they say they are. Time to pop over to Christina um, Securitas, who's sitting in Sydney at the moment, I believe. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm well. Yeah, we're going to. Well, Malcolm Turnbull made this address last week, uh, and you felt that it was uh, lacking a little bit of action. Yeah, it does, and I'm big on action. I'm, I'm you know, big on on having some um, some action actions to take at the end of anything. So at the Melbourne Institute of Economic and Social Outlook Conference last week, um, he said some fantastic things, you know, that we need to attract and retain talent, that we need to support and encourage our startups, that we need, um, you know, the whole STEM um, thing within the schools and we need to encourage a culture of innovation. We need to be more innovative. We need to be technologically sophisticated. So all that all that was there um, and I'm hoping and I'm sure he will deliver that um, there'll be some action when the policy comes out uh, next month uh, around how we're actually going to do these things. So it's one thing to say it um, and then we really need the follow through, which kind of leads me into the, the next thing I'd like to talk about. I, I read an interesting article this week on the seven threats corporations need to overcome in order to encourage innovation. And one of them was just that, the, the lack of follow through. It's really easy to have the ideas. Um, or for most for most organisations, you know, there's there's a brains trust there. There's people, and everywhere there's people, there's ideas. And if you can if you can um, grab those ideas from the people and and put them down into some kind of format, that's fantastic. And there's lots of people doing workshops to get ideas off people, brainstorming sessions. But again, if there's no follow through, then we've got nowhere to go with it. So what mm. we really need to do is have some kind of consistent approach um, to, to engage people to come up with the ideas and then also to follow through with the ideas. So a lot of organisations now, or some organisations now, probably not enough, you know, in, in your or my opinion, but some organisations now are actually employing people to drive innovation. Uh, and that is a really good thing because if you've got somebody in charge of project driving you know like you have project man managers on on big building sites mm. if you've actually got somebody behind it that's going to drive something forward you've got such a better chance of something coming at the end of it rather than having the brainstorming sessions the meetings and then all that energy being dissipated because there's no one there with the follow-through mm. and it is important though to uh, get away from some of the buzzwords i mean i know Innovation oh, is good. Innovation is a buzzword that people say, yeah, oh, yes, we're innovative. Um, I can remember back many, many years ago 
over in England, a lot of the government contracts said uh, to engineering companies, you have to have a value engineer on your team. So I was appointed and my title was value engineer, but I never yep. did any value engineering. It was just <laughs> they could turn around and say, well, yes, we've got a value engineer on our team. So you yeah. do have to be careful sometimes if we start to say, yes, you've got to have someone that is responsible for innovation, that they really are responsible for innovation. Do you know what my, my favourite term actually would be? Actionpreneur. So we've got entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs, but yeah. both of those can't go anywhere unless we actually have an actionpreneur. So that's yeah. going to be my new my new call, actionpreneurs Good. to the forefront. Because it's the same old problem with, you know, with business planning, for example. You know, yes, I've got a business yeah. plan, but where is it? Stuck in the drawer doing nothing. Um, yeah, and no one's driving it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And really, I mean, innovation, if we go back to it, useful change, what is useful change? Useful change is something that makes a difference and, you know, it's just business development 101 really. Yeah. You know, on big scales, on tech scales, yes, we can give it a different title, but everybody's not in that same boat. Some people want sustainable innovation. That's yeah. not the new big things and we should all be changing things, mixing things up constantly, um, finding better ways of doing things in every organisation. Yeah. Well, great. Well, you uh, enjoy your day in Sydney and uh, we'll have a chat with you again next week. I'll, have, I'll look forward to it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Sikiat is there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's important uh, that we don't just pay lip service to some of these words, but we actually make it happen. And it'll be interesting, as uh, Christina says, to see uh, what policy Malcolm Turnbull comes out with. Let's have a look at a couple of Harvard Business Review tips. First one, as we said earlier, get yourself out of a rut at work. Even exciting jobs have boring days. It's inevitable when you work in the same office with the same people day after day. So how can you tell whether you're just in a rut or whether it's time to leave your job? First, don't wait for the rut to pass. Making even small changes to your daily work can provide transform can be transformative. Start keeping a list of all the things you accomplish each day, noting which kinds of work energises you and which leaves you feeling drained. Next, think about how you might redesign your role around the tasks that interest you most. Talk to your boss about taking on new challenges that fit your talents and goals or volunteer on a project outside your department. But if you still think your job is a grind after you've tried this action, it may be time to move on. And this other one here, which we often talk about, help your team feel open to receiving feedback. Feedback is only useful if the receiver actually uses it. But for the message to be received, the person getting feedback has to feel safe. Feeling psychologically safe helps us to hear, absorb and reflect on feedback. Feeling unsafe can make feedback sound like a personal attack. To help your employees feel ready to receive feedback, first of all, get your attention right first. Make sure your goal is to help the other person grow. If he lets you down or performance perform badly, deal with any feelings of anger or resentment before delivering the feedback. Then ask permission. Control is central to safety, so don't give feedback unless it's invited. Ask permission by saying something like, can I offer you feedback on your presentation? And finally, share your intent. People become defensive less because of what you're saying than why they think you're saying it. Before giving feedback, make sure the person understands your positive intentions. So a couple of interesting little points there.
Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program, particularly looking at uh, the importance of travel insurance and making sure it's right. In a moment, John Slaven will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and we'll look at some other business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Oprah Winfrey once said, doing your best at this moment puts you in the best place for the next moment. <laughs> 